Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Can you hear me, my brother? I can. I got you, you in my ears. I'm ear. You're, you're and on. I got the microphone, so it's, it's, I, I sound good. Cool. Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. And you guys know when I have somebody come on, they're either game changers and thought leaders. Mm. And the gentleman I have on is both. So first of all, I want to say thank you to our sponsors. Um, Her name is Annette Wittenberger. She has a podcast called The Truth We Hide Behind Podcast. And so if you ever want to hear a female's perspective dealing with mental mental health issues, sexual trauma, just check out her podcast. But guys, get a piece of paper out and you're going to need it for this episode because my brother Will is going to drop some knowledge bombs. And since I started, knew I was going to interview John, I had to watch every episode of your podcast that you guys do. And I'm hooked and it has really changed my life in a lot of ways. So um, I just, Will, I just want to say thank you for doing the podcast first of all and thank you for what you're doing and i love that somebody from new york is actually doing something great and positive i'm from jersey so east coast boys got to stick together that's right east coast represent right that's it. <laughs> thank you so much richard for having me on um and, and all I, you know and I, I hope i dropped some knowledge today i really would like to um so we'll see what happens but uh i appreciate you being here richard and open up this platform that i get a chance to you know share some of the for mindfulness wisdom and 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 you know and i also really appreciate um just the opportunity to help more people that I might not get in touch with otherwise. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to men talking mindfulness with uh, my co-host, John McCaskill. I really appreciate that a lot too. Don't so miss it's good to be here. I do not miss an episode and I look forward to everyone because it's actually helping me own my morning. I'm not even 5% to where I want to be, but it's starting to help mm-hmm. me own my mornings. So how did Great. you tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself because you know, I would have never, if I would just picture two people in a room together, you and McCaskill would not be the two people that I, I figured would be having a podcast and changing the world. So tell us about where you come from and what kind of little yeah. kid Will was. Uh, that's a, well, I'm blushing as, a, as you say that because I'm a very different person than I have been, you know, when I grew up. Um, I'm from northeastern Pennsylvania, from the Poconos. No, uh, born no, in Wooks- really where? What town? Oh, so I uh, born in Wilkes-Barre, um, raised in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. I'm actually excited. I'm going. It's my, it's my, yeah, Hazleton. My, uh, that's where I was born and raised. My parents are still there. So much of my family is still there. Uh, I'm actually going back um, tomorrow. It's my dad's birthday on Saturday. It's going to be 82. It's the first time I've been back, Richard, uh, since October because of COVID. COVID really ransacked. Uh, my grandparents actually lived in Hazleton. And, oh no, kidding! Yeah, and I used to go to the mall up there all the time, up in the house. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was my old days. So, um, so born and raised Hazelton, you know. Um, I, I think I was very fortunate, Richard, because I had a lot of my last name is Schneider, um, but I also come from like an Italian descent, an Irish descent, and German descent, obviously, um, and lots of family where I grew up and. 
you know, lots of Italian relatives, lots of, you know, the, the Schneider side is very uh, strong. My mom's Irish side is very strong as well. So it was always wrapped in family events, family gatherings, like supported by family. Um, and that's the way and we actually still have uh, a reunion that's going on. I think it's 76 straight year. Well, we missed last year because of COVID, but 76 years, this Schneider reunion has been going on every year. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so I really feel blessed with that. I, um, you know, I played basketball in high school, was fortunate enough to, you know, excel enough in basketball that I, I went to college and played basketball at, at King's College in, in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Yep. Um, got a degree in biology, got a BS, um, and uh, started like working just to get it. You know, I was, God, I was 23 when I graduated high school. I'm 48 years old now. It's like such a different life back then. Right? I can't believe 25. I can say I'm 25 years old. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, age, how it works. Um, now I got a question so, to ask, you know, because like no, when I talk to John, you know, yeah. um, and so many of the people that I've, you know, the thought leaders that I'm talking to now, um, I find that a lot of them, 99% of them, were readers as they were coming up. Were uh, you a reader? Were you <laughs> that delved into I, books? Uh, no, I actually struggled with reading. Okay. Uh, you know, I, um, that's a really great question, Richard. I got at a young age, I think it was really anxiety that I didn't, you know, now I look back, you know, um, it was the anxiety of reading out loud that really stifled me or prevented me to really be a prolific reader until I was probably like 26, 27. Um, uh, um, so reading was a real challenge for me uh, until, and like I said, until as much later on in life. But, but I, you know, I think as where I gained a lot of just um, ability as a kid was I just did a lot of stuff. I was playing, bo- I mean, I had lots of sports. I was like, my, my family was very into you know, uh, being with nature. So I was always like hiking and camping and, you know, all these uh, family that I had around me, not only did I have a big family, but in my neighborhood, I had another like 10 kids, all the same age, roughly the same age that I grew up with. So, um, yeah, so I was not a big reader, uh, back then because I just, like I said, it was, I probably became better at reading after college. I mean, I got good grades and all that kind of stuff, but I was really struggled. Um, and, uh, I'm very proud of how I, how well I read now, <laughs> Richard. I read a lot of books. So now you know and, you're yeah. you've talked in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. you know you would never think that you would ever have a kind of insecurity like that. But most people don't yeah. realize that the number one fear in America mm-hmm. is speaking in front in public. Yeah. So what yeah. Uh, what made you kind of excel at that? What made you actually able to do to do that in front of people and not read in front of people? Uh, yeah, I, um, I, I, I got to a place in my life um, where it just stopped making like the story that I was fed through this amazing family I had just did not fit how I wanted to live my life. Um, and, I, and I woke up to that fact when I was 28, um, my first real like love of my life. Um, uh, we broke up and I was devastated, <laughs> like really, really devastated. Like the world that I thought I was continually growing myself into. Uh, and it took me a lot of hard work to climb, to climb out of that hole. Uh, and I did it through understanding um, actually a great book by Julia Cameron called The Artist's Way. 
um, which is more of a workbook than just a reading book, where uh, I understand that, that I was never really awarded for my artistic self. Uh, I decided, you know what, like I need to make a massive change. Uh, it's just what I felt. And, and, and I worked week after week with this book and I ended up uh, time this was back in like 19, 2000, 2001, I took an acting class and, uh, and that acting class led me to moving to New York. Um, I, I, you know, I excelled pretty well here in, in the city. I was on theater. I was on television. I did some commercials. I was making some money. Um, and that, and that forced me to be a better reader and be obviously a public speaker, uh, because, imagine the audition process rich it's like insane <laughs> um but uh uh um, but i really just developed a if i if you'll let me say like a, a real set of balls and um and and then teaching all these years i've been teaching yoga in front of you know hundreds of people every week in new york city uh and it just i, I understood that it's okay to be authentic in the moment um and and just let things happen okay spontaneous i have a question because Mm -hmm. i have a friend right now he's he's working on in the tv show the mayans he's one of the characters Mm -hmm. and we Mm -hmm. talk about this all the time so how did you not get caught up in some of the trappings of the limelight the acting Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. how did you not get caught up in a lot of the bs that happens in in those kind of in some of those kind of jobs well, I, you know, I was, uh, it's, it's a tough business, you know, and I was really working my way up. Um, you know, I had an agent. Um, I was, I was, like I said, I was making money. I was getting seen. It wasn't, you know, big at all or anything like that. But then the bust hit in 2008, um, the financial bust and everybody that was, you know, in, um, you know, deeper in the industry than I was like people that were really, you know, the people that were in movies and the people in television, the whole, cause there's no money around, I was kind of essentially like out the door. And that's the people that were, I'd usually be, you know, auditioning for law and order and stuff like that, really trying to get like that big break. And those opportunities just dissolved over from 2008 to 2010. And that's when I I was already practicing, taking my yoga practice very seriously. And that's when I did my first teacher training in 2009. And that's where, you know, my story and kind of my, path and then passion for mindfulness and helping others really began you know because i got talked you know especially about the whole yoga thing you know because i was in the health and fitness industry for over 32 years you know i hung Mm. out with guys from the wwe nfl players and you know we we all you know they all thought they were tough until they had to like to try to do a plank for like a minute and it was just <laughs> it's, it's like it made like the bravest men kind of break down so i got a yeah. different respect for yoga but uh you know mm-hmm. my background is you know 23 years in the military and a lot of guys you know as we get out are you know we get gain like 40 pounds to become pre-diabetic <laughs> and so we have to get back in shape so i think that's one of the couple of questions we're going to ask you later so I Please. want to give you all the props of doing that because, like I said, I, I tried holding a plank for like a minute and it was a wrap. I was on the ground like, okay, I'm good at this. But as soon as I seen DDP doing DDP, DDP yoga, I'm like, all right, this is cool now. So yeah. when it first started, it wasn't as cool as it is now, correct? Uh, no. I mean, it, it uh, in New York, it, start, it was emerging. I, I, I got 
I started practicing in 2007 very seriously, um, and I got certified in 2009. And, you know, that I mean, God, I was thinking about how long ago. That was 12 years ago or something like that right now. Um, so yoga is just in its infancy across the country. It's usually ahead of the game, ahead of the curve as far as, like, the rest of the country. So it's really growing here in New York. Um, and as, like, I got to say, like, as, like, I'm six foot three, you know, like I, I, I have like, you know, I guess maybe you can say like an alpha status, you know, I'm like a bigger guy, you know. Um, uh, so I immediately and plus I can talk and I can teach, even though I wasn't a very good teacher back then. Uh, I started getting jobs very easily because most of the market was women and gay men. And, you know, not to say anything bad about either of those groups, but like those were the typical teachers that would show up. And here's like this big, tall straight male and they're like they know i'm going to bring in customers in some way just because of my physical status and i'm like a regular i'm a guy's guy um so that's where i began you know teaching and that was an incredible journey as well and now, that helped me, me. Can, yeah yeah can you take me back into your first ever yoga <laughs> class that you took and what that experience oh my was god the first time um yeah like i i finally found a teacher that i really enjoyed um back in 2007 eight and, uh, you know, I grew up a competitive athlete, you know, I, I was, I hit the gym, like, so I was like, I, I bulk, you know, I was able to, at one point, like able to bench 300 pounds, you know, I like, I had like, uh, I was strong, I was a really strong guy. Um, but I also enjoyed, you know, um, moving as an athlete, I love playing basketball, I love, you know, so I enjoyed that type of utility with my body instead of just like lifting weights. Um, but when I took my one of like my, yeah, one of my first yoga classes, I was like, whoa, this is something completely different. Like I'm holding poses and I'm like, and I'm not moving this little, you know, 72 inch by uh, whatever, like three inch mat, you know, rectangle. And I'm sweating profusely. And I was like, what is happening here? Like, and, um, and it's not just like how it challenged me physically, but I started, I could feel things different mentally, emotionally. And um and then I just start when I first started practicing, I'd go for like every day for like two weeks, you know, then I may take a couple of days off and go every day for another two weeks. And it just really started to, I think, you know, what, what, what I learned early about yoga, what it's done for me and my relationship with it, it starts to change you in a subconscious way that eventually boils, you know, kind of brings to the surface of your consciousness. Um, because I think there's just some natural health breathing and moving uh, and, and, and this deeper level of strength that I was finding, uh, with yoga that just really started to turn some lights on for me. And, um, and it's been a rewarding experience ever since. And it just really helped me stay healthy physically, but also mentally and emotionally as well. Yeah. You know, cause like a lot of times when I first heard about it and I'm like, I didn't know, you know, you hear the word meditate and, you know, mm -hmm. immediately I'm thinking, people that are going to be sitting on the ground chanting and then levitating, you know, you don't really think <laughs> yeah. of having that, the peacefulness and the mindfulness of, you know, the meditation. Mm -hmm. So can you mm -hmm. get us into a little bit, talk us what meditation really is and not what we actually think about or hear about? No. Yeah. Thank you, Richard. Great question. And I, uh, you know, and I, 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 I do a lot of talks on, kind of misconceptions of mindfulness and meditation. Uh, one thing, like, as I started to get deeper into yoga and trying, you know, and teaching meditation to people, I'd always run up against uh, a couple things. 
you know, I can't do yoga because I can't touch my toes, <laughs> right? And I can't meditate because I can't stop thinking. And these are, you know, the two biggest misconceptions about, about yoga and about meditation. As, as far as how meditation works and actually what the practice is, is all, and there's so many different styles of meditation and uh, it's not religious or anything like that. It's just an experience of you being with yourself. And, uh, and it's a focus. What a med- you know, if you look up what meditation is in like the dictionary, it's just focus and doing the best you can to focus on one thing for a certain amount of time. That's it. And uh, it's not about trying to create a blank slate. It's not about stopping thinking. That's never going to happen. Like we have our mind thinks, our lungs breathe, our heart pumps. We don't stop those things from doing it. It's developing a different relationship with your mind, a different relationship with your feelings, with your sensations in your body, and ultimately with yourself. Um, and it's, uh, and you know, I, I suggest for anybody listening out there um, uh, is to just really start with, get very basic. And you can just start with a simple following your breath meditation. And you can start as simple as like, I suggest like working for like maybe six or seven, eight minutes to start and then working your way up into a nice 20 minute meditation, which yield the most benefits like at 20 minutes and after. Um, but sometimes it takes time to get there. Uh, you know, so it's like, I, I, there's a reason we've been hearing so much about meditation over the last, uh, you know, five years or something like that. I knew I was in the right place, Richard, about four years ago on the subways in New York when I started seeing them um, advertise meditation apps on the subway, which you know are expensive. I'd imagine, I don't know what it takes to put an ad on the subway, but on, on almost every subway car. Uh, and then I was like, whoa, okay, this is really happening now. Um, Cause I was already, re- I started meditating actually in 2007, even before I started doing yoga. And, um, and then it just kind of took me into yoga um, just because I just wanted to understand, you know, myself on a deeper level. Um, I hope that was helpful. Does that answer your question about meditation or please ask me more questions about meditation? No, that's I'll talk about great. All day. You yeah. know, cause, but then I also think about, you know, there's a guy like me, you know, or, or even guys mm-hmm. that are even worse shaped than me. You know, we'll look at all these people at yoga classes doing planks mm-hmm. and making, mm-hmm. doing all these weird positions. And we're like, there ain't no way in hell I'm going to be able to yeah. get into that. So it kind of, I guess it's kind of like, you know, a lot of women don't look like to go into bodybuilding gyms because they feel, awkward. <laughs> you know, they feel that awkwardness. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of guys might feel that awkwardness walking into a, a yoga studio. So how would you, you know, mm-hmm. if somebody's interested, how, you know, how do they not feel that awkwardness? You know? Um, yeah. I, and, 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 and that's another, I mean, you're bringing up some really great points, Richard. Thank you for asking these questions because this is the stuff again, like, I mean, I'm a guy, I'm like a, a guy's guy and I do yoga, you know, and, and, and people, you know, they'll say some, you know, not, not, you know, nasty things about it because I feel, I mean, me practicing yoga, it's like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Uh, I think one thing about men getting into yoga is we have to drop that competitive edge that we try to, that we're kind of grown up with because it's not a competitive thing. And it's also not about, and part of that competitiveness is like, I need to be good at it right away when you've never taken a class before, you know, and, and, and these are probably excuses in some way. Um, 
because also men, we're not used to being in touch with our emotions. Like we talk about this in the show with John and yoga is going to open you up and you might not exactly love what's on the inside, um, but that's how we begin to change and transform is when we begin to kind of lift the veil and see what's on the inside and then beginning to make some different choices based on what we, you know, what we like and what we don't like. Uh, so I suggest like, um, anybody that wants to take a yoga class, uh, um, I think it's also important Richard, to find a good teacher or to find a teacher that resonates with you. And, uh, and, and I think any good teacher is going to take the time and have the patience to really, and understand how to teach a beginner student, uh, which is more challenging than, te than teaching people that have had a practice for, you know, five years or 20 years or something like that. Cause they get it. They're just like there for the guidance, but to really like teach, like your hand goes here, your leg goes there, your breath is this and, you know, and, and, and how are you feeling kind of thing really takes some, takes some skill. Um, but I think it's a matter of, you know, showing up um, and, and, and dropping the ego, dropping the, that need to be, you know, perfect or great at it or competitive with yourself or, or other people. And that's when things really begin to change. And I understand why people, you know, men especially are sheepish. I see it all the time. And even like me being a guy, I would actually attract more men into the studio, which was great. But it was always, I think it never got above like, maybe the men at the max, like in only a few class or maybe 40% of the population in a class of like 50, be mostly women all the time. Yeah. And it's kind of very much that way. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that's helpful. Like I, cause it's, 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 you gotta jump in, you know, one of the, here's, here's, here's Richard. This is my, I, I mean, I'm a little embarrassed for this. Um, so I was in Philadelphia, you know, kind of figuring things out, lifting at the gym, pumping iron, and there was this like aerobics class, you know, uh, behind this, like, you know, this glass bowl kind of thing. And I was like, what's going on in there? And there's a lot of beautiful women in there. Um, so I, one day I kind of stepped in and I started doing, this is back in like 1997, 98, like these Tybo kickboxing classes. And then it started to work into it. Like the class changed every other day or something like that. And it changed into like this fusion of yoga, Tai Chi and Pilates. And I started to experience myself in a completely different way. Um, and that's when I eventually kind of left the gym altogether and just started doing yoga. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, if I could see, you know, I mean, I'm a married man, I'm a very mm -hmm. happily married man. But if I was single yeah. and I was single, <laughs> that's the class I would be in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so men out there listening, it's like, you know, you know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, God, I mean, and I'm not objectifying women at all, but it might be a good way to meet your wife. You know, it might be a great place to, you know, make some female friends and introduce other female friends or just more people in general, you know. Um, but that was actually and, and then it then I just kind of got hooked after that. And um, it's changed my body in so many wonderful ways. It keeps my energy flowing. It keeps my mind clean. It keeps me very present and aware, you know, and also like, if you really want to be strong, Richard, if you really want to be strong, that you must have flexibility with that strength. You can, you know, uh, you know, squat 600 pounds, right. But the, and if your hips are really tight and your squads are like rocks, it's like, you don't really have any power. You know, power yeah. comes from the, the emerging of, of flexibility and strength. Like I used to get guys, some guys ready for the Mr. Olympia stage 
And, you know, they were so big that they couldn't even wipe their own ass. And, you know, and and they would be huffing and puffing and just just trying to breathe. And they didn't Mm -hmm. have functional muscle, you know, so they would be able to, you know, like you said, squat 600 pounds. But then you can't walk around the block. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, I mean, so what's the purpose? You know, I mean, yeah, you might look great. You might get some respect or something like that. But it's just like I'd rather be flexible you know what i mean and resilient and it was because like, then they were like all you know as they say they were all show with no go you know what i mean yeah yeah so so you know I, one thing i love about your podcast you and you know mm. you and john always talk about mindfulness can you talk mm. to us about mindfulness because you know one thing when i started turning my life around you know i'm not mm. a big grant, grant cardone guy at all but mm. i bought one of his books and mm. one thing stuck for me from the whole book he said, from this moment on, whatever happens in life, it's your fault. Take ownership of it. And mm-hmm. and at that moment is when I decided to be present in every moment and everything that I do. And you yeah. guys talk about mindfulness a lot and being mm-hmm. present. And you just mentioned it. Now, like a lot of times if I'm interviewing somebody, I'll actually count certain a certain word, how many the times they say it in mm-hmm. an interview. And you said presence, the word four times so far. So talk to us about presence and mindfulness. Um, Well, mindfulness, I'll say, is a giant umbrella term for several different practices and technique that helps enhance your presence and awareness. And all mindfulness is at, at its core. I mean, look at the word. It's mindful, right? You're being, your mind is fully present on what you're or at least also fully present to yourself, fully present to the environment around you, fully present to other people, and not getting locked into your mind, your feelings, patterns of behavior. Um, and, and that's like, and it's such an incredible tool because it allows, it takes you away from being a habitual um, animal which you're just essentially reacting to the world, which you know, we talk on the show very much. Like we like to define reacting as acting without thinking. You're just doing things, doing things, doing things. It's like, you know, you, you become like a machine uh, instead of a, a human being, uh, which at being a present human being, you realize and being a mindful human being and working to be more mindful is you is is it helps you to realize choice and sometimes you might not like to i mean and some choices are very hard to make when you want to make a change like when i was leaving you know i wasn't necessarily a mindfulness practitioner but i was very mindful of me leaving a very comfortable life in the corporate world you know back in 2003 and taking this massive journey on my own believing in myself and moving to new york city to act (laughs) um uh, but I made that choice and uh, it has been the best choice. You know, I'm not getting sidetracked here, but um, you know, mindfulness, it just helps me and anybody that it practices to enhance the quality of their life. And there's one term that, um, that I hear very much in, in, in the yoga world and the sutras and is, is the word uh, Sankara. And Sankara is, it, it's an agrarian term. It's a Sanskrit agrarian term that means rut. 
And that's what I mean about habitual behavior. When we get on the track and keep doing the same things over and over and over again, and, and then sometimes you're expecting different results, but we're still running that same rut, we're just going to keep doing the same things and the same results are going to show up. And what mindfulness does or helps us do uh, with the leveraging the tools of meditation, of yoga, of very simple mindfulness practices of just being aware of your physical self or, you know, taking a moment and really feeling, you know, I'm drinking some tea now, right? So I can smell my tea. I can feel the warmth of the water in, you know, from my tea, you know, and it's just like these little mindfulness moments that you can have, you know, throughout the day and learning also a big part of mindfulness is just being grateful and appreciate, you know, this moment that we have uh, instead of always, you know, what the mind does is going to draw us into the future or draw us into the past. And that's where the struggle happens because the mind, it only exists in one of those two places. It's trying to, it creates anxiety when we're going forward and wondering this and, 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 and the to-do list that, and what about tomorrow? And, or it pulls us in the past, which is typically uh, uh, fueled with like guilt and shame and would-haves and could-haves and should-haves. Um, and mindfulness is going to just help us be present and realize that we don't need to be, you know, dragged around and enslaved by our thoughts, which bring up feelings, which make us, you know, feel something and it attaches and kind of makes that thinking even worse. And we get into our mind and the imagination of the mind, which, you know, super key about the mind, which really helped me understand how incredible important mindfulness meditation is, is the mind does not know the difference between imagination and this, this reality that we're having and sharing right now, Richard, it doesn't know the difference. So you can keep telling yourself um, uh, something about the future or shaming yourself or guilting yourself in the past, but it's gone. It's not even there where these practices take us right here, right now, and uh, I, I can, this is when I can make different choices. And this is, you know, and if you make different choices, you're going to change your life. Whereas you keep making the same choices, the same life is going to show up. You know, and I love that, you know, because like I said, I was in the health and fitness industry for a long time. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the champions that I talked about, I talked to, you know, they're talking about vis visualization. Yes. You know, even like Ar Arnold said, you know, I work out all year. And on Mr. Olympia Day, I just go pick up my trophy. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, whatever you put into your mind is it'll actually it, it'll come to pass, you know, right. just like your mind doesn't know that, you know, like one of my my mentors is Ed Milet and we finally mm -hmm. got to meet and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. my mind didn't know the difference over the years that we weren't sitting side by side, mm -hmm. but I still learned off him and it still gleamed into my my lifestyle. So a lot of it, can you, some of the things that you're, you might have to do some addition by subtraction by getting rid of some of the negative stuff in your life. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. on that? Well, yeah, I, I think it's very important to understand what those negative things are. I mean, you know, we have to, that's what mindfulness is going to help us do as well. It's like, it's a self-assessment. It's a reflection. And, uh, and if things like if um, feelings and things in the past um, aren't working for you, and, and patterns of behavior aren't working for you, then um, then then you have an opportunity to make a change. I kind of got a little sidetracked, Richard. I'm sorry. Go back to what your question was. I'm sorry. I was like, no, I, I was just talking about, you know, like you were saying, you know, your mind doesn't know the difference in a right. lot of different things. So mm -hmm. you can reprogram 
your mind mm-hmm. for, you know, for the positives in life, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but sometimes you have to, you know, do some hacks, life hacks, yeah. they say now, but you know, like yeah. when I started listening to you guys mm-hmm. and now I just take about 10 minutes every morning and try to just sit and be quiet. Don't pick up the phone or anything mm-hmm. and meditate. Mm-hmm. But for the first day or two, I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm like, this is never going to work. But I think you have to stick with it and work on it like anything else. You know, just because you go to the gym once doesn't mean you're going to be fit. So I'm sure right. you have to work on the meditation and work on the, you know, the whole spiritual aspect. It's right. going to take a while. So yeah. you, those people that are like, oh, I took a couple classes and I didn't get anything out of it. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's well, OK, one, I think it's important also about know about the mind. And I don't know why this is, you know, or science doesn't even know why this is. But we have a predilection within our mind to, to be negative. Right. I mean, it's like I, I forget what the percentage is, but most of like unless we train our mind, like an untrained mind is is could be a very wild place and you can live a very wild life. And, uh, you know, by the end of the day or the end of whatever, 10 years, five years or the end of your life, it could be like, well, how, how did I get here? Right. Um, and that's why a couple things like about yoga and meditation, they call it a practice instead of or uh, a goal. Right. It's a practice. And just like you want to be a great painter, a pianist, a great dancer, um, great at anything, you must put the hours in. You must put the practice in, which means you must show up. Um, and that's a big key. It's just showing up. Uh, and and like you mentioned earlier, Richard, like you're you got this little 10 minute ritual in the morning. And that's like a super key is I'll say that word again, Richard, and mark it down for number two ritual. Right. You develop um, and a ritual is different than um, like will or, or forcing yourself to do something. A ritual, and I like the way, there's a really great book out there. I love, it's called The Power of Full Engagement um, by Jim Lore and Tony Schwartz. And they define ritual as something that has a natural health benefit. And because of that natural health benefit, like say brushing our teeth, we're naturally drawn to it. And uh, you might not necessarily experience these health benefits, like you mentioned, like one or two practices. Um, but you probably will. Like you'll definitely, I'd imagine after doing a meditation for seven or eight minutes, you've never meditated before. Um, you're probably going to feel a little bit better or at least a little more clear uh, or definitely maybe not as emotional or stressed out. Um, it, what really helps me uh, to get where, to, to get to where I am. Uh, and this is, you know, I, I know the same things for John in some ways is developing uh, discipline and deliberately putting in every single day so you can continually grow in your mindfulness which is growing in your self-awareness and aware awareness of your time and 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 not time this this moment and my morning uh ritual monday through friday this is my thing i get up at 5 30 in the morning uh just like getting up early i um I right right now I've been reading in the morning because I just have a lot of reading to do for the show, a lot of research and stuff. Uh, I'll do some sort of physical workout just to kind of get, you know, my body fresh, get the blood um, rolling in my body. And then I'll sit and meditate uh, for 20 minutes. Um, And I've also been intermittent fasting since August. So I don't I don't 
and I just I don't eat for like a 16 hour window. So that's like so I have these little rituals and this discipline that I've been developing for you know just, um, because of it's a net because I want to be fresh. I want to um, not be dragged around by my, my emotions, which still happens. I mean, you know, I'm a very probably overly not even overly just a very emotional guy. But I'm also have a different relationship with my emotions and realize when like the real strong ones come up, like sometimes my, my own shame on the inside comes up. It's like, OK, what do I do or what do I need to do in order to you know, hit uh, st- hit reset and start fresh again? And that could be doing a meditation that could be talking to a friend that could be going for a run that could be doing some push ups or something like that. Um, but also, you know, but having a whole toolbox of different tools for what I need. And I've developed this toolbox and toolbox and these practices by just, you know, day after day, year after year, you know, going out and discovering different teachers, different tools, different modalities. It doesn't have to be all yoga. I've been doing hit classes like high intensity interval training because I love the strength it brings me where sometimes yoga doesn't bring it up enough strength where I wanted more power. Um, and I, you know, and I, and I put these into my day, I put these into my week. Um, you mentioned, oh, this is what it was. You mentioned earlier about the visualization. Like I, I see myself, like I literally write, I wrote my obituary in the beginning of this year, you know, cause what the, what, what's the legacy that I want to leave in the planet. And I read that obituary a couple times a week because I want to constantly see myself moving in that direction. And therefore if I'm seeing myself in, in, in this moment, in this life, then I must do something about it. So what is the deliberate mindful actions that I'm taking in those moments in order to fulfill where I want to be, you know, and the legacy I want to create when I get to the end of my days. And, you know, I love that. And, you know, my friend, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Mm -hmm. one thing he said, you know, that really changed my whole life was that your legacy will always be more valuable than your currency. And that kind of, you know, blew my mind and changed my whole Mm -hmm. perspective. So now let's talk about emotions. Um, you yeah. know, now I love my wife, you know, we've been together forever and uh, she's my bride. And, um, mm-hmm. but you know, of course she hates me sometimes and, you know, we get <laughs> on each other's nerves, but I was talking in a club in a, in a room in a clubhouse today and, you know, realizing that, you know, love is a commitment. It's not an emotion. Mm-hmm. And you try to live your life on emotion only. You're you're a dead man walking in any aspect of your life. So can you talk about not living your life with emotion? Or uh, yeah, well, yes, yes. You, you know, oh God, I'm sorry. Finish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I think another great point is at our core, we are emotional beings. And that's, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard of um, Dale Carnegie. You know, oh, his, his thinking grow. Right, right. He says, and I use this quote when I work with different corporations. I'm like, we have to remember, he says, that when we're, we're, we're not dealing with rational beings, we're dealing with emotional beings. Right. So at our core, we're emotional. And I, you know, and I, I, I love my rich emotional life. I mean, it's like it, it, I, I'm very, it, you know, it creates passion. It creates drive. It's uh, you know, but it also can be very, you know, sometimes the, the shame and guilt and, and anxiety, I feel, could could be obviously very devastating to to me and, and, and anybody that's kind of suffers a lot with those things. Um, 
you know, they're very, very, very challenging and they can, you know, they create patterns of thinking, patterns of behavior. They, you know, they affect our relationships and, and, uh, you know, people can get into a, a pattern of, uh, of emotion, which creates more patterns of behaviors and, and ways of being and thinking that can be very devastating. So this is another thing that mindfulness and meditation is going to help you to understand is that we're not our emotions. Yes, we have them. And I like to describe our emotions like we, it's like a well that's deep, deep inside of us. And, you know, this well can be very turbulent at times. You can think of this as maybe like a sea, you know, and it's th that that body of emotions, that body of water, that well of emotions is always there. Um, but it's it's when we meditate and practice mindfulness, we realize that, like I said earlier, we're not our emotions. But then we also understand and become more aware when we are we we could become emotional, which which is fine. But it's just like, is it what do we do when you're feeling rage or you're feeling anger? Right. And this has been a big practice for me, um, you know, I mean, for my whole life. But I've been very, very mindful of it even more over the last several years. And the people that pushed my most button, the, my, my buttons the most, Richard, are, are my family. My I have two brothers, you know, I have a bunch of relatives and they know exactly what to say, when to say it, how to say it, you know, <laughs> like, it's a, you know, so I've been getting better because uh, even when I'm, you know, not doing a very textbook mindfulness practice, I'm always in a mindfulness space and I'm watching the environment, you know, being in my relationships and uh and seeing you know or just like kind of being aware and being present to what's happening around me and if someone says something to try to piss me off right again being mindful it's my choice do i have more bitter resentment from the f off right or do i just let it pass do i instead of exercising rage right do i exercise the emotion of patience which is like a huge mental shift or what's really hard for me sometimes richard is just keeping my mouth shut and not saying anything and not reacting to someone else's like vitriol, right? Instead, just either leaving the room or saying something kind or not responding at all, which is still like a response. Yeah, so it's, it's like hard for people it, from the East Coast to do because we have some, yeah. some words that just fly out of our mouths quickly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. And that's another thing, right? It's like, you know, the, the science out there before um, we have, you know, when when some sort of stimulus enters into our consciousness, we have less than a half a second before we become habitual and tell that other person, we use those words to like, you know, demean the other person or put the other person down. And that half second, what mindfulness is, it does, it helps us to get and find that half second shift from an emotional response or emotional reaction into some sort of mindfulness response. And what I like that distinction again, reacting is acting without thinking. But when I respond, right, I'm being intentional. I'm also being responsive and responsible with my choice. I um, love that. So now, okay, I have, you know, a couple, because I know time is precious. Um, it's all good, man, yeah. You, know, you got a class and everything. So I'm mm -hmm. very respectful of your time. You Thank know, you. so you get a bunch of guys like me, you know, military guys. Mm -hmm. Some of, a lot of us have post-traumatic stress. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of us deal with depression, TBI, mm -hmm. You know, then we gain like 50 pounds when we get out, when we get out of the military. So we feel like crap with, with that also. So what are some mm -hmm. of the 
simple changes that we can slowly make to start changing our mindset and our bodies. Um, that's a really great question. Um, and there's not like one kind of thing fits all. Uh, um, I would think that, uh, it depends if you're, uh, you know, kind of an, an athletic guy, um, uh, then I suggest like, this is okay. This is what I'll say that I put to that is like, do something different. And it really doesn't matter what it is. Say is get comfortable, put yourself in uncomfortable situations so you can understand that, um, your greatness and your resilience and your character and everything when you get comfortable being uncomfortable. And uh, so if you take one, you know, you, you start, you, you just like, okay, you know what? I'm, I, um, you know, I've been suffering too much with this way of being, what do I need to do? Uh, you know, so it could be taking a yoga class. It could be, you know, starting meditation. It could just be, you know, getting off your ass and starting to walk, you know, a little bit throughout the day. And, uh, and you know, I, I was taking some, I was writing some notes before I got on the call today. And it's like, so what I would be, this is, and what, and, and if you think about what are we in almost April, I would say almost the statistics, the, the statistics are about 90% of everybody right now lost their new year's resolution. Gone, 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 gone. So, and I, I, a lot of people lose their resolutions because they're too strong, they're too ambitious. So I'm a big fan of taking baby steps and also a big fan of accountability. So if you really want to make a change and, you know, and what I, I, I my nephew, he's 20 years old, he's a Marine. He's in, he just uh, got, um, he's in Japan right now for his first deployment. You know, I'm so excited for this guy. Um, you guys have a really strong brotherhood uh, and, and, and your sisters as well in the military. Um, and you guys have really strong bonds. And when you really, I've excelled throughout my life, Richard, because I have continually leveraged accountability. Another great book, uh, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. He talks about how incredibly powerful mastermind groups are, which is, which is also going to be like accountability buddy system. As like, if you want to start meditating, ha have your buddy hold you accountable and start in those baby steps. So instead of trying to be a mat, you know, like a meditator at 20 minutes, start at that six or seven minutes, start with something that just keep showing up and keep trying. Uh, you'll start when you, you know, it's like, Another great book, Atomic Habits, um, James Clear. I, I've he been talks hearing about that book so much. Now I'm going to have to get it. Oh, I, you definitely got to get it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Really powerful. Really powerful. But he talks about it, what it takes to form new habits, but also what it takes to eradicate old habits. And it's it's not easy, but he does break it down in the sense of like creating new habit, make it very ob obvious. Like if you want to start running in the morning, he suggests uh, sleeping in your running clothes. <laughs> you know? So when you get out of bed in the morning, right? You're ready to go. Put the shoes right next to your bed. And it's just like, oh, I'm already set. You know, you want to start reading a book at night, right? Put the book on your pillow. You want to start journaling, you know, in the evening or in the morning, put it somewhere obvious that you're going to show up and do it. Because again, the mind and its habits and that Sankara that I said earlier, you're just going to keep running that same rut over and over and over and over and over again. Or until somebody, your accountability calls you out and says, yo, Richard, you said you were going to, you know, uh, run today or, or go for a walk or journal today. Did you do it? 
and you know, and a good buddy will hold you accountable and continually hold you accountable and be a stand for your ambitions and the vision of your greater self. Um, I think it's also important to um, write down that we talk about vision, right? We talk about this amazing mind that we have that can imagine us into our future. So sitting and reflecting or even writing down who I want to be, what I want to do and setting a goal. And like, and I love actioning goals. It's like, um, you know, I want to, I want to run 10 miles a week, which isn't a lot. You know, if you haven't run before, that's still not even a lot. That's like a mile and a half a day. Um, and, and if you set that goal and you have an accountability system in place and that could be your spouse, that could be your girlfriend, that could be your best friend, that could be your neighbor. Um, and you keep doing that. And over, uh, it takes 66 days, Richard, that 21 day thing is BS. 66 days on average to form a new habit, which is nine weeks. You put that nine weeks of time in trying to continually every day or five days a week, whatever it is, accomplish that new self and walk into that new self, you will start to change. But it's really so much of that, of the discipline of showing up and how do you continually create small micro moments of success for yourself, which is going to build confidence, which is going to make you feel better. And I think another thing is not comparing yourself to other people. Oh, so-and-so is doing this. So-and-so is doing that. Where are you? What do you need? How can you be kinder to yourself instead of beating yourself up because you missed a run or, you know, you didn't do your push-ups for the particular day or walk around the block? It's like, how can you also exercise kindness and compassion for yourself when you fall short of your goal? I love that. Okay, so now you got to yeah. tell me how you and John got together. <laughs> you got to tell me the story. Tell me the story behind the microphones. Mm. Behind the story. Well, well, it's it's actually it, LinkedIn. <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah, it's LinkedIn. LinkedIn, Richard. Like, what a powerful tool. Um, I did a all men's retreat in Bermuda back in 2015. Uh, one of the guys that was on this all men's retreat was Scott Tucker. I bet you, I bet you're connected to Scott Tucker. He connects with every single veteran <laughs> that seems to be on LinkedIn. Do you, are you, know, you know, Scott Tucker? I'll have to check. I probably am. I'll have to check. Yeah, you probably are. This guy, he is an incredible connector. Uh, he is, you know, he's been trying to connect veterans and, and building a business through veterans uh, and with, and for veterans uh, for, for years and years and years. And uh, he saw John, um, McCaskill, you know, this was in the summer of 2019 or maybe in the spring. And uh, we, he connected. He's like, hey, you guys might want to talk because I know my boy Will, you know, from this retreat. John, he had just met John, but connected with him, you know, through LinkedIn. He's like, hey, you guys might want to talk. And because uh, you guys are both looking to do mindfulness. So John and I got on a call. We like, you know, I, he's a really great guy. You know, he's 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 not this like macho, you know, you know, person, which like is tough to deal with sometimes, but really genuine, authentic, kind. And we just started talking uh, in 2000, early 2000, mid, you know, spring 2019. We just started talking every month. You know, one of the books that I shared with him was Atomic Habits. I was reading Atomic Habits at that time. We kind of he read the book. We bonded over that book. Um, and then we kind of like, we, we, you know, we're checking in every month about for like seven months or something like that. And we would just have a half hour conversation. What are you reading? What are you learning? What's going on out there? How's your mindfulness? And he was still in the military and, and wasn't transitioning out until August of last year. 
And, um, you know, and then we just stayed in contact through social media and stuff. And then came COVID. COVID, I, um, you know, I, my whole, all the businesses, yoga studios, everything was just decimated. Every, like everyone across the country was just decimated. So I had, I couldn't, I wasn't, didn't have the ability to teach like I typically did in New York in the studio life. So I just started teaching online and I just started teaching meditations five days a week or five, you know, five times a week. I was teaching multiple yoga classes, this and that, just popping off these live streams on Instagram, you know, like a couple times a day, several times a week. You know, John, one day he just sent me a text or something like that. He goes, yo, I see you do all these doing these, uh, all these live streams and stuff like that. He goes, let's talk. So we get on the phone and one day and John asked me, he's like, why don't we do a live stream together? And I was like, okay, great. I was like, what are we going to do? He's like, well, let's talk about mindfulness. I'm like, all right, boom, let's call it men talking mindfulness. And we started like a week later and uh, we started on, you know, and, and this is John and I like just developing, you know, I've never met the guy, never, ever met the guy, but I feel like he's just such a becoming a greater friend every single day because of our passion uh, for mindfulness and our passion to bring more mindfulness to more people, especially men. And the show has just been an incredible um, a, a source of, of happiness and joy and, and exercising mindfulness and really helped me find my voice. And uh, we started on Instagram. There's actually a moment there, like uh, about maybe seven or eight episodes in where we wouldn't get that many people watching and this and that. And and like he was like, because I don't think we can do this anymore. Well, like we're not getting anybody. I'm like, please, John, please. I was like, look at these people are commenting. People are telling me how, you know, this show, what we're already doing is helping them change their lives and make different choices. And I roped them back in. And uh, this season, we decided to take it to LinkedIn instead of Instagram. And, um, and I, I can't believe and I'm so thankful uh, for what this show has been doing and the lives it's been affecting and it couldn't it couldn't be a happier um offering to the world and a part of my legacy and uh, john and i just see such a bright 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 future with men talking mindfulness because of we're just living in service of all people especially uh, men that um might not uh but look the other direction if it wasn't for like two like Man, like you know, manly men talking about mindfulness. So that's well, how it started. That, you know, you guys changed my life, and uh, I'm very honored and grateful to be able to call you guys uh, friends. So, for people that don't know, how can they find your show? How can they get in touch with you and John individually and collect collectively? Sure, we have a website, mentalkingmindfulness.com, or you can call it Mental King. <laughs> mindfulness <Okay. laughs> not, yeah. but it's like men talking mindfulness all spelled the same letter so men talking mindfulness.com uh so you can that's one way to see what's coming up you can review our episodes we have um, a resource page where we're adding books and, and and different references for for to help people expand their mindfulness um you know you can email either of us i'm will at men talking mindfulness.com John is J-O-N at mentalkingmindfulness.com. Uh, on, on my own business side, uh, I'm, uh, anybody that wants to step into a meditation class, uh, I have a meditation, breath and meditation lab every Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. 
And you can access that at um, my own personal site, which is willnotfear.com. That's will, my name, N-O-T-F-E-A-R, willnotfear.com. And uh, you can take your first yoga class. You can take a, a breath of meditation lab. I have a nice uh, Monday, th- Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 a.m. wake up, I call it. So it's a breath, body, brain workout. Uh, you know, it's open to any, no experience necessary. And um, yeah, that's it. And then, you know, all my handles, all social media is at will not fear. And uh, that's how you can, you know, get in touch with men talking mindfulness, get in touch with me. If you want to take one little baby step, uh, you can take class for free. Uh, just send me a message or hit up the site and it'll give me information. You can take class for free and uh, and see if mindfulness will work for you. And like you said, you know, you guys are used on LinkedIn. So definitely check them out on LinkedIn. Tomorrow mm-hmm. they're doing an episode on gratitude. I cannot mm-hmm. wait to check mm-hmm. the episode out because I'm a big attitude of gratitude guy. So yes. When you do talk to, to our buddy, John, tell him I said hi and tell yeah. him that, um, how much he's changed my life. And I'm grateful yeah. for you guys. So, brother, thank you so much for hanging out today. Um, yeah. Now that we talked, I consider you a friend and a family member. And if there's yeah. anything I can ever do, please let me know to support your mission. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much, Richard, for having me on the show. And I guess one thing I love about the military is just the so much respect and, and so much uh, connection that you guys uh, bring into the world. And, and, you know, I don't have a military background, but I feel like I'm part of the military family in some ways because of my connection to John. I, you know, my nephew is a Marine and um, I really thank you for saying all these, bringing me on the show saying, and I consider you family too, Richard, like I'm a big family oriented guy and same, you need help with whatever. Um, thank you so much for promoting the show, men talking mindfulness and, um, I really appreciate your time, Richard, and bringing. And uh, let me know. I can anybody else out there hit me up. Uh, will not fear, at, and uh, or will at willnotfear.com. And uh, I'd love to help you uh, take that first step onto your mindfulness path. All right, guys. So just remember, leave comments. Let us know that we're doing a good job, and that if this affected you like it affected me. All right, Will. Have a great day. And like I said, I'm. I didn't want to take up too much of your time. I didn't want you. To get, being late for your class or anything. All good. Thank you, Richard. Wonderful talking to you and appreciate your time. All right. God bless you. God bless. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.